0: Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host Emma Scherzarko, and this week we have another wine-centric episode for you, in which I tell Winston all about the oft-overlooked white wines of Italy, and he tells me all about Italian history. There's a lot of information in here. I talk about over two dozen different types of wine, and don't worry if you find it a little overwhelming. We're here to help. Grab a bottle of Italian white wine that preferably isn't Pinot Grigio, and we'll get through it together. I hope you learn a whole bunch and get excited to try some new things. Thank you, as always, to our patrons, and thank you especially to our newest patron, Maya Piconin. Please correct me if I mispronounce that. As well as to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rina Sarame, Zoo Yorker, and Alison Turi who are more badass than the wines of Matelica and to our advanced producers Mara Zobrist and Michael Beck whom I love more than the wines of Friuli Venezia Giulia. If you would like to join us and get access to all sorts of wine fun facts and bonus content, check us out on patreon.com/pairingpodcast and pledge as little as $1 to help us keep going. This week, as in every week, we are brought to your ears by all of our listeners. Instead of ad reads this week, if you learned something from this episode, I'd like to ask you to recommend us to a friend, family member, or passerby on the street. Or even just to make a post about us on social media. The more folks who listen in, the longer we can keep going. So please, help us keep going. We wouldn't exist without every single one of you, and we want to keep existing and expanding. So if you can take five minutes today to help us grow you will have our undying love. Without further ado, here is episode 47, The White Wines of Italy. Hello! Hello! This is a very exciting moment, listeners, for a few reasons. One... It was our one-year anniversary yesterday. Happy anniversary, baby. Happy anniversary. And then, uh, so that's number one. Number two, we just moved into our new house. Happy new house, baby. Happy new house, baby. And we're recording in our new studio, which is... Happy new closet, baby. Happy new closet, (laughs) (laughs) baby. And the studio manager is here and everything. Queen is overseeing us, so we should be in good shape. But so... I thought I felt like it was time to do another more wine centric episode. Oh. Last we did uh, the the rosés, the War of the Rosés episode.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And as I was very proud of that that title of that of that episode, the War of the Rosés, I'm also proud of what I think the title for this episode is going to be, which is Land of Two Thousand Grapes
1: or More. <laughs> How did did you arrive at this title?
0: Uh, Because we're going to talk about Italian wine. And I know, those of you who have been listening to the show, you know that I love Italian wine. I'm a little biased. I talk about it way more than I talk about anything else. I'm sorry. But part of the reason why I talk about it more than anything else is because there's, in many ways, more to talk about, technically. Because Italy is most famous for having i believe over the, the estimate is just over 2000 indigenous grape varietals. Wow. For wine. Like Vitis vinifera.
1: All indigenous or were any of them imported? But, well,
0: some of them are imported and uh, but but I believe that number is just the indigenous grape varietals. And you know, most of those stay in Italy and we don't see those exported and We're only going to talk about some of those, and we're going to call this part one because there's just, there's so much to talk about when it comes to Italian wine. And one of the things that frustrates me as a wine professional, and I'm feeling more now because I work in a new store and our selection in this particular area is not the best, but I want to talk about Italian white wine. Because everybody talks about Italian reds, and I've mostly talked about Italian reds, you know, like the the wines from Piedmont, Barolo, Barbaresco, the Nebbiolos, uh, Dolcettos, Barberas, and then in Tuscany, the Brunellos, the Chiantis, all the Sangiovese. We dedicated a whole episode to Sangiovese, our second episode, hmm. which was pretty great. But so we're returning to Italy, and we're going to talk about this very underrated, very diverse type of wine which is Italian white wine. So
1: finally Pinot Grigio gets the the do what it deserves.
0: It's really funny because I made this whole big list of uh, <laughs> of white wine, Italian white wine that I wanted to talk about, and then I was like looking at an Italian wine map and just like doing a little research just to make sure I'd covered my bases, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot Pinot Grigio. <laughs> because...
1: I only know that because it's like my dad. The two drinks my dad would get at a restaurant. When I would like see him on the weekends, is he would he would be like, "I'd like a vodka gimlet with chupa chow yeah. yeah." How you yeah. really liked it. And then he'd be like, oh, "I take a glass of the Pinot Grigio."
0: Yeah, and I would say that Pinot Grigio is the vodka gimlet of the wine world. Um,
1: uh, what does that mean? I,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't, even, I don't know that
1: association.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's well let's start off with Pinot Grigio because it is obviously the most well known Italian white wine. And and the the most produced, the most widespread, the most imported.
1: Not to be confused with Pinot Gris,
0: which is the same grape. It's the same grape. It's the but same it's grape, made but, it's differently. but it's well, it's it's just in in France and pretty much everywhere else they call it Pinot Gris hmm. instead of Pinot Grigio. I don't know what, if there's like a rule about that or not. I don't think so, because I think I've seen some. Pinot Grigio's from California or something, but it's, but it's, it's basically the, it's the same grape. It's just named uh, a different thing, like, like Grenache and Garnacha, you know, they're the same grape one, but it, one's the French word and one's the Spanish word for it. Huh. So, so Pinot Grigio or Pinot Grigio. If you want to be obnoxious, is uh, the Italian version of it, and Pinot Gris is the French and kind of the rest of the world. Most of the rest of the world that grows that grape calls it Pinot Gris. I don't know. I don't know why. But so Pinot Grigio is okay. This is my thing about Pinot Grigio. At its best. It can be really good and really interesting, and especially when it sees like a little bit of skin contact, uh, which is just where like the the grape juice sits on its skins just a little bit, right? Um, kind of like with rosé, mm-hmm. you know, but but with a white grape, it can be it can be really interesting, and I like Pinot Grigios from a region called. Trentino Alto Adige, which is the very north of Italy, so like right on the Alps, kind of. Oh. Um, Tyrolia. Yes, and and so Pinot Grigio's from there are really good, and uh, from Friuli, a region which we're going to talk about a bunch, called Friuli Venezia Giulia, which is on the most northeast tip, so sort of on the on the border of Slovenia there. Pinot Grigios from there they can be really great and really interesting. My problem with Pinot Grigio is that 90% of them do absolutely nothing for me. It's not that I hate them, it's not that I am mad at them or anything.
1: They're just but very forgettable.
0: They're just kind of nothing. And we we have a joke in the in the wine industry that that if you smell a white wine and it doesn't smell like anything, it's probably Pinot Grigio, <laughs> which is is harsh to a certain extent, but also true, unfortunately. And like the big, the best example of of because Pinot Grigio is it's it's Italy's bread and butter, kinda. You know, it it's how they probably make most of their money in the wine industry because they just sell tons and tons and tons of Pinot Grigio. And that's all and that's all good. And to each their own. And I've got nothing against Pinot Grigio. I really don't. But I do wanna specify that some of it can be really great. But yeah, okay, so that's so that's Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio is the most well known. But let's uh let's go next to So we are drinking a white wine. Well, how do you like this one? It's it's good. It's good. It I've never tasted this one before. It's uh so I, I can't claim that I chose it because I know it's good but but yeah it's t- it's tasty and
1: it's nice got a little bit of that almost like hint of effervescence yeah to it, it
0: does it kind of almost um, has a little effervescence yeah
1: I like I always like that it's got a little bit of that um nice acidic tang
0: mm-hmm
1: that I've come to appreciate and I'd say it's It's quaffable, but it's not like cougar juice. It's not like chugging wine. No, no, it's
0: not. And it's got it's got almost a little bit of what I think of as like almond or like almond skin to it, which is a quality that I get from a lot of Italian white wine. Just that little bit of phenolic. Text, it's more of a textural thing.
1: No, now you than say it that, is a
0: taste thing.
1: That, that makes sense because I, I feel like it's not the initial taste of almonds. Mm-hmm. It's like after you've been chewing an almond, yeah, and you it's just the get a little get bit in of your that mouth. from that pulp that's mm-hmm. where as it's coating the tongue. Yeah, that it's like that mid, mid taste of the nut.
0: Yes, the mid taste of the nut. Yes. Uh very nice. Very, very good.
1: I mean, we deal in poetry here. We do.
0: We do. But so this is a soave, So I guess we're going to start. Let's start because I I want to talk about a bunch of different white wine from Italy. And there's obviously so much. So I'm not going to go into a huge amount of depth about each of them, but kind of give you just a little bit of information. And we're going to break it down by region as much as possible, as much as is appropriate, because there are a bunch of a bunch of grapes in Italy that kind of just are all over but some are specific to certain regions. And so we're going to start with the regionally specific grapes, go over to the to the kind of widespread wherever grapes, and then I thought it would be fun to talk about Italian art and uh, and see if we can pair some Italian artists with with some Italian white wine. Right. Oh, that could be fun. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try. try. We'll
0: try. So this is a suave. This is one of the instances where the wine is such a big deal that the wine is named after a region or an appellation and not necessarily the grape. So Soave is not a grape. Um, and Soave is S-O-A-V-E. But the grape here in Soave is a grape called Garganega, which for a long time I thought was Garganega. No, it is Garganega. And this is in the Veneto. Uh, which is so that's around where Venice and Verona are. Oh. So that kind of north northeast, but not quite as east as as Friuli Venezia Giulia, which we'll talk about. And so so this is Suave, and it's pretty pretty common. You'll see Suaves around, and I highly recommend them. This is not my absolute favorite Suave. Um, some of them have they just have a little bit more kind of fruit. Intensity to them, which I feel like you know, you were talking about the acidity, and mm. between the acidity and that kind of almond thing going on, it's nice to have more of that fruit component to them. Um, this yeah. one is not super super complex,
1: but no, no, but
0: that's not to say that there aren't better ones out there. So I highly recommend checking out Suave.
1: And this isn't bad either. It's oh just... no,
0: it's good. It's it's sort of it, like Pinot Grigio, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like.
1: I think it's a little more substantive than Pinot Grigio. Well, yeah, most yeah. Pinot Grigios. I mean, you're not, but... you're, it's not like a lingering taste. Mm-mm. Not really. I mean, it's got maybe like a little bit of a middle to it, and then that's kind of, you know, short yeah. short and sweet.
0: Yeah. But not actually sweet. It's still dry.
1: But... Uh, short and tangy. Whatever yeah. you want to
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's Suave. Also in the Veneto, the biggest other white wine, technically, which... We could also uh, talk about it in a different context, but Prosecco. So Prosecco is a sparkling white wine.
1: Love Prosecco. Delicious.
0: So Bellini's good. Bellini's
1: amazing. Oh,
0: so good. and.
1: Wait, explain uh, what a Bellini is real quick. Bellini is
0: Prosecco and peach juice. Hey. Hey. Brunch. And, and mimosa is Prosecco and or any sparkling wine and uh, orange juice.
1: What separates Prosecco from... Either French sparkling wine or legit champagne, or that's
0: going a a to be a whole. That's going to be a whole another episode. Okay, but right, the okay. but the short answer is, it is made in a different method. The method that Prosecco is made in is called the Charmat method, um, in which everything is fermented in tanks. So basically, the the champagne method or the method, Champanoise or traditional. This, what gives it the bubbles is that the secondary fermentation happens within the bottle itself. Oh. That is not what happens for prosecco, I believe. I'd have to double check, but I think but it's it's a it's a I'm 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 uncertain about the exact process of the Charmat method, but it is it is different and it's all done in steel tanks, which is cool. But here's here's a fun fact and something that you can impress your friends with, the grape that is used in Prosecco is a grape called Glera, G-L-E-R-A. Glera. Hey, hey, you know, that's a fun fact. Impress your friends with all your knowledge. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to really go into with Prosecco for now because I do want to do a full sparkling wine episode and talk about Prosecco, Champagne, Cava, all the the different types of sparkling wine and what, what goes into that.
1: So, actually, I have a sort of a broader, I mean, history... Question. Yes, and that's. I like, don't know that
0: I know the answer. Well, but you I'll might
1: try. not, but I'm just. I mean, for all of us, think about like. Yeah. And uh, Italian listeners, if we have any, please. Yeah. Oh my um, God, Italian
0: listeners, I love you.
1: But <laughs> sort of, was there, was there a time when white wine, like Italian white wine, white wine in general, mm-hmm. became more popular in like Europe and abroad, or, or. You know, is it really recent? Was there any kind of event or, like, economic depression or a crusade or something that made it, like, that, oh, okay, we'll make white wine. You know, like, because when you read about from English sources, which admittedly are very Mm -hmm. limited, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I got a box of claret. You know and that's like yeah. what they talk about, yes, yeah. you know.
0: Though it's interesting because at first, um, most Bordeaux was white Bordeaux and claret oh. was originally because I believe claret actually means something like white or light wine
1: or oh. something, and so, so maybe it, white wine was there, to yeah, begin with. yeah. Okay. Uh, the,
0: the short answer is I think it's different everywhere, but yes, you know, historically, you know, when we watch. You know the old, you know history, historical dramas. You know, if they're drinking wine, they're drinking red wine. But people right. don't give white wine its due, and they've been making white wine for quite a while. I mean, they figured out pretty quickly that you know you can make wine in different ways. Yeah, like
1: a is so ancient, so good. Right? Yeah, so
0: ancient. Yeah, mo- actually, most of the really, really old grapes in the world are white grapes. So yeah.
1: so I guess maybe it's more of like a modern artistic choice that we just see red wine more, maybe.
0: I think so. I also think that it's like in terms of when we see it on film, red wine is more aesthetically right. pleasing. Or it like it makes a statement more than right. white wine, you know, because otherwise, because white wine can look just like, juice kind of yeah while while red wine it's yeah. more distinctive. The only
1: time I think you see white wine on film is when it's champ- clearly sparkling wine
0: or champagne. Yeah. Or it's like Tina Fey and 30 Rock. Because she's a Pinot Grigio girl, I believe.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about also,
0: that. Also, shout out, shout out to Lady Gaga and the Grigio Girls songs. Very, very good. Very Lady good. Gaga's so good. Oh, she's so good. Oh, my God. She's perfect.
1: But I did notice that when I worked at an Italian restaurant, like nobody drank white wine.
0: Yeah. It was all
1: like. Chianti Classico. Yeah,
0: because nobody thinks about, and I think that part of that is that like the traditional Italian fare, like you know, mostly pasta, pairs tomatoes fare. based sauces, mostly pair with red wine, but but like a marsala. Yeah, marsala. You you can pair that with. You can kind of do that with either one, but yeah, but but generally, yeah, that's that's sort of my the thing that I'm. Trying to spread the word again. Um, Last time I was spreading the word about rosé. Now I'm spreading the word about Italian white wine. It's so good and so underrated. Because people people think about French white wine. People think about, you know, like American white wine, obviously. But most people don't know about Italian white wine. Uh, And so that's why I'm here and trying to tell you a little bit more about it.
1: I probably said this for the rosé episode because I've really Mm. only got, Mm. like, I'm like... I'm like Woody from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I just have like six things I say when you pull my string. <laughs> but I. it makes me think of Fellini. Yeah. The Italian yeah. white. It's like, you actually, know, La yeah. Dolce Vita. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it all has that kind of sort of sense of childish fun. Like a I little actually unearned think... innocence. Yeah.
0: I think that Fellini is a really good pairing for Italian because white wine.
1: White wine in general, yeah. Yeah. especially Italian, but yeah, I, I don't know, it just kind of makes me think of that. Like, yeah. There's a lot of more gritty Italian filmmaking, Fellini has that effervescence, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, and even when he deals with really heavy subjects, like Knights yeah. of Kiberia is a really yeah. heavy movie, but there's so much like, and it, part of it is I think just Julia Messina is an oh, amazing yeah. performer, but... Just the sort of huge mood swings she goes Mm -hmm. through but and still has hope through all this terrible stuff that's happening to her. Yeah,
0: but there's something aesthetically about Fellini's films that just feel like white wine and not red wine.
1: Well, and even his black and white films have a brighter palette. Yeah. He's just more into like a riot of color. Totally. Then, you know, you got your... Oh golly, I can't remember, but Quentin Tarantino steals the neo neo Morcione soundtrack to it. Uh-huh. It's um It's The Battle of Algiers. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. But, like, yeah. And that's that's not necessarily Italian, but like uh, there's another one that's uh, I don't know. A bunch of like Italian neorealists. There's yeah, Italian neorealist, French New Wave. Okay. Sorry. All sort right, them out. Man. This is that one college class, bro.
0: All right, man. Ooh, Twenty-five
1: thousand dollars, well spent.
0: All right. <laughs> sorry. No, it's so good. Um, I'm just gonna start breezing through more of these because I have about twenty more to go through. Yeah,
1: sorry, just trying to contribute.
0: No, bit. absolutely. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna hop over. So so we were just in the Veneto. We're gonna hop over to, uh, you know, one of my favorite regions in the whole wide world, Piedmont. So that's where Barolo, Barbaresco come from. So it's mostly famous for its red wine, but. There's a bunch of amazing white wine coming out of Piedmont. Probably the most famous of which is a wine called Gavi or Gavi di Gavi. Don't ask me why uh, they call it Gavi di Gavi. Because the grape used in Gavi is actually called Cortese.
1: Cool.
0: No, no, idea, no idea how it got its name. But Gavi's are awesome. Cortese's are awesome. They can have... Uh, sort of like this. Like they can have that brightness, that really high acidity, but there's like there's like almost like a this sounds weird, but like a cheese rind te- like note to them sometimes. Really kind of funky, really interesting. Um, hmm. yeah, highly highly recommend checking out Gavi's. I
1: mean, that's um, a very distinctive smell slash totally, though, especially if it's totally. one of those like hard cheeses like Parmigiano, yeah, like Peca- pecorino, pecorino, yeah. yeah. That which makes sense to me. There's
0: also a grape called Pecorino, which we're going to get to. But um but also in Piedmont, just want to run through these really quick. The other main white grape that I would recommend from Piedmont is a grape called Arnace. A R N E I S. I love Arnaises. They're a little bit richer, they're usually a little bit heavier in texture, but still really dry. Kind of a nice alternative. For some burgundy drinkers, I would say. Uh, so if you like Chardonnay from France, check out Arneis from Piedmont. A couple other grapes that I'm not going to go into super huge depth, but uh, Herbaluche and Timorasso, Just so awesome to say. <laughs> and also the infamous Moscato is from Piedmont.
1: Why is it infamous?
0: Well, because Moscato is the in, the the most famous kind of dessert wine. It's the ah, most widespread dessert wine. Gotcha, gotcha. So if you like that kind of sweet. And technically speaking, I don't think Moscato is an indigenous grape to Italy because I think it's derived from Moscat, which is one of the most ancient grapes in the world. Hmm. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to double-check that. I'm not going to double-check it right now. But um, Moscato, I believe it's related to Muscat, but it is not the same grape. And Moscatos are those light, effervescent, sweet wines that, you know— some, they can be, you know, the super cheap, quote unquote, Moscatos, you know, like the Behringer, the stuff you can get for six bucks at a gas station. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm <laughs> nah, talking about, nah. nah, nah, I'm talking about Moscato de Astis, which are coming from uh, this area of Piedmont and can be really, really awesome, really beautiful, complex wines or, or just like really fun, simple, sweet wines, but just like. Make it happen. Make it work.
1: Sometimes you want a little sweet. Totally. And I, and I know for myself, I'm like I'm not a big dessert person, but I do really enjoy like a savory appetizer, mm. like you know the stuff you would imagine an ogre would eat, like liver and mm, things mm-hmm. like that. I imagine like a nice sweet wine.
0: Yeah, actually. would go well
1: with those kind of very, very savory umami kind of.
0: Yeah, actually, dishes. I think that would be a good pairing because
1: we cut through yeah. some of that, mm-hmm. like fat totally you know yeah
0: actually tr- uh I mean technically you know probably you'd want to go with more like a so or something like a thicker sweet wine okay um with those kinds of things
1: yeah I mean I'm just throwing stuff at the wall yeah
0: but I bet a moscato would be good just,
1: eh, let's who try, knows? It. Who knows? try it
0: who knows? all right we're moving on um we're gonna hop back over to the east side and talk about, I mentioned this earlier, probably the one of the most underrated and definitely my favorite region for Italian white wine, but also makes amazing red wine as well, is this region of Friuli or Friuli Venezia Giulia, as it's called, which apparently is named after Julius Caesar. Don't A know. A lot
1: of things are. I
0: know, I know. But the, the Venezia Giulia part of it is... We we mostly call it Friuli, but
1: I forget what what is now Venice or Proto Venice. So this is actually called. not
0: quite in Venice. This oh, is okay. this is actually further to the east and okay. south a little bit. So right on that Slovenian border. Okay. But some of the best I would I, 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 I'm gonna throw down my gauntlet here. The best white wine from Italy comes out of Friuli. And Some of it is not native Italian grapes. So, for instance, my favorite region for Sauvignon Blanc is Friuli. And you don't think about Italian Sauvignon Blanc most of the time. But um, if I can recommend... Oh, geez. uh, Let's see. So the Venica Sauvignon Blanc, Petrusa Sauvignon Blanc from from Friuli. Those are amazing. I'll look some more stuff up and and recommend them to you. But these wines are out of control. They're so good. And so besides besides those grapes of like Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay coming out of this reason, coming out of this region, I should say. It's also a reason to be. Um.
1: <laughs> I mean again, I have like three things that I say, but I wonder if all those Sauvignon Blanc grapes came mm. from the Napoleonic era italian campaigns it's possible because i mean that was like napoleon's first big thing was his northern italian campaign and i wonder i mean obviously that trade was going for thousands of years before that yeah you know and i don't know how much of it had to do with like you know gauls and romans and it's I mean, people like to think of the Gauls as like naked barbarians, mm-hmm. but they were just incredibly sophisticated. And I I would imagine they cultivated their own grapes and there was this intermingling. But I don't know if... Yeah, you know, I don't know Because the... now that wine is so codified in Europe. Yeah. Like, I don't know when that... Uh, yeah,
0: I don't know imagine. the history of when exactly these grapes got transplanted because, you know, there's... Most mostly the case of Italian or I'm sorry, of French varietals being transplanted to Italy and less so vice versa, though there are some instances of that which I will talk about.
1: Yeah. Although to be imperialist for a second, Rome sold wine as totally. one of its main exports. Totally. To like everybody around it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's probably how a lot of like new varietals came to be. I'm sure there were native grapes. It's possible. But I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't. I don't
1: I, know what I'm talking about. I'm just speculating. Yeah, no, but
0: that's all. That's all we can do until we, you know, do do our research. Which I don't know the full. I don't know the full history of of wine and wine trade, wine economics, uh, wine history in Italy. But yeah, Sauvignon Blanc's in Friuli check them out. And Chardonnays, too. They're really good. Um, But there are a couple of indigenous, if not indigenous, then really iconic of this region. The two grapes there are Friulano, named after Friuli. So I'm pretty sure that that one is uh, native to Friuli. And I love Friulano. So good. And the other one is uh, Ribola gialla. Ooh. Yes, and Ribola Gialla is so cool. And talking about that kind of phenolic quality, which is that, that almost tannic quality that you can get in white wine. So that pith, that bitterness that you get in oh, white gum, wine. Gum
1: drying. Mm-hmm.
0: Which you can get in some, uh, some Pinot Grigios. That's also very indicative of Ribola Gialla. And uh, another fun fact so Friuli is one of the most important regions for orange wine, which we all know is the trendy right. the trendy cool thing right now. And I got to meet someone, I got to meet someone from the winery called Gravner, and Gravner is kind of the holy grail of orange wine. And their their wines are incredible. They're amazing. And I was really really lucky that I got to pour for a tasting with I forget I forget Gravner's first name, the winemaker of Gravner, but his daughter came to the store that I used to work at, and I got to pour some of these wines. And uh, the the Ribolla Gialla that they make it's a, it's an orange wine, and oh my god, it's amazing. I'll try to for this episode, maybe I'll try to go back and find the picture that I took of that orange wine, and it really is spectacular. <sighs> and you know, these are these are wines that uh, we're talking costs hundreds of dollars a bottle. Not all of them are like that. And I've had some non orange ribola gialas that are just so, so cool. So, so good. Check it out. One of my favorite wineries in Friuli that I got to, again, pour for a couple times is called Ronco delle Betulle. So check out Ronco delle Betulle. And so one of my co workers, my new co workers, Uh, said to me the other day because we were talking about Italian white wine and he was like yeah but let's be real like Italian white wine is fine but none of it is serious I'm like you tasted a Friuli wine and he was like oh yeah you're right okay all right so we're going to change gears slightly and this this is not going to be a regional thing but this is kind of a thematic thing and I've talked about this before I know I've done that I've talked about this on the Patreon before but there are these three grapes in Italy which are really easy to confuse because they all begin with V E R. So they're the wines of truth. Um and they are Vermentino, Verdicchio and Vernaccia. Vermentino is the most widespread and uh speaking of Italian varietals that get exported, Vermentino is one of those and mm. You'll find Vermentino in France, and it's called "Roll" in France because
1: they make it so boring. Why do you think they're called the wines of, tr- or what they have that base? of uh, truth base.
0: I have no idea. I have no I mean, maybe it has something silly. Maybe it has something to do with "in vino veritas." I don't know. I don't know when that uh, originated. Hmm. That kind of phrase, that saying, but but so Vermentino is the most famous, and I've definitely talked about this on the Patreon. And Vermentino goes by several different names. Vermentino is cool because I'm not sure if it originated or if it just became most well-known in Sardinia. It is the it is the quintessential grape of Sardinia, which is awesome. I've been to Sardinia. It is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Go check it out if you can. But Vermentino is also found in mainland Italy. And, okay, in, let me see if I can remember this. So in Piedmont, it's known as Favorita. Because there's some story about how it got transplanted, imported to Piedmont, and became the king of Piedmont's favorite grape or something. I, okay. think, I think that's how that originated. Um, and we in... talked about
1: Piedmont, Sardinia which is eventually what became yeah, yeah. Unified Italy.
0: Yes. And so we, we had talked about that. No, I remember because I knew nothing about this, and you were talking, t- telling me about that. And I was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense because Vermentino. And <laughs> 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 see, wine helps you understand the world better. I swear. Yeah. I
1: swear. Generally, yeah, food and wine Yeah. tells the story of where it all came from. Absolutely. Much more honestly than people do.
0: Probably so. Also, so this is fun. When we were we were in uh, Cinque Terre on our honeymoon. Yeah. Almost a year ago, a little less than a year ago, mm. but almost, almost exactly a year ago. And in Cinque Terre or Liguria, so that part of Italy, that really northwest coast, called Liguria. Um, in Liguria, Vermentino is known as Pigato. Highly recommend checking out Pigato if you can. And then and then you'll find Vermentino elsewhere in Italy, kind of everywhere in Italy. Most notably, I would say in Tuscany, you'll find a lot of Tuscan Vermentinos. Um, and they pretty much call it Vermentino there. But speaking of Tuscany, the only quintessential white grape of Tuscany, which I haven't talked about since the Hobbit episode, I believe, episode number one, is their nacha. And so there's. So a quintessential. Appellation of of Italian white wine is Vernaccia di San Gimignano, and San Gimignano is that really cute medieval town very close to Florence. Hmm. Um, so there's that, and then there's Verdicchio, and Verdicchio is uh, another one of those grapes that's kind of found everywhere, but you'll most often see it in the Marche region of Italy. Where the heck is that? Well, let's let's just talk about Marche, um, Marche, and um, Abruzzo. Which probably many of you have heard of Abruzzo because of Montepulciano, Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. It's one mm. of the most common red wines, yeah. probably after yeah. Chianti. Really good value red wine, um, and so yeah, like
1: twelve dollar decent bottles of red wine. Exactly,
0: and so so Marche and Abruzzo are kind of on the central east coast of Italy. I would say okay, and so oh yeah, and one of my favorite uh, appellations is. Uh, Metallica And uh, Obviously you have to pair yeah. Metallica with, Yeah And that's usually Master
1: of puppets Yeah
0: master of puppets Like uh, the
1: Medici's Yeah Who were masters of Puppets Puppets <laughs> But like But like Ruler puppets yeah, Not like yeah. like Toy puppets
0: Yeah And Or I'm sorry Theater puppets Yeah yeah Oh I'm sorry It's Metallica It's Metallica Not Metallica But obviously You still have to pair Metallica And those yeah. wines are Verdicchio Which is awesome um, okay, my other favorite, one of my other favorite white grapes is called Trebbiano. You'll find Trebbiano in Abruzzo. This you've probably is seen you've probably me. seen yeah. some Trebbianos around. Trebbiano was one of those aha grapes for me when I worked in my first store in New York. We sold a Trebbiano and I tasted it and I was like, "Holy smokes, this is cool." And it again, it's one of those that has just more complexity to it than than you give most it, most white wines credit for. Mm. Um, not all of them do. Some of them are pretty simple, but Trebbianos are pretty awesome. And those also often come from Abruzzo, so Trebbianos, Montepulcianos, that kind of go hand in hand. Oh, and this is also the region where we get Pecorino. So there is a oh, grape yes. called Pecorino, not to be confused with Pecorino Romano the cheese, um, but Pecorino the grape, which is uh, just kind of Italian- White wine, pretty easy drinking, good stuff. Okay, going a little bit south, uh, we're going to Campania, so the area in kind of south west Italy, not so like not around in the, Rome, further south than Rome. Okay. will we'll talk about Rome in just a second, but um, further south than Rome, we've got Campania. Around Naples is okay. Where we are, and that's where we have Falangina,
1: which mm, we've talked about. Love uh, Falangina.
0: Uh, I actually I wanted to get a Falangina. To drink this episode,
1: they didn't have an affordable they were, one. They
0: were out of the falangina. Oh, so I do sad. love that falangina. Ugh, so good, and uh falangina is also super underrated, and and we found out that the grape itself is named. It's possibly might not be Italian native because well, it could be native to Italy, but it's named after the phalanx,
1: right? Um, yeah, or the
0: which is like the pole.
1: It's named after the spear itself. Yeah, the
0: spear itself. Um in in Greece in ancient Greece. Right. So super cool and and that was based on how they grew the vines on these trellises which were basically like, like spears. spears. Yeah. Spears, yeah. Ugh, wine it's so cool. History is so cool. I love it. That's one of my favorite things. We we went to this wine dinner and and the the wine director told us about that about Falanghina. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. So I'm a huge nerd, but yeah. No,
1: I I really dug that too. Yeah, Falanghinas are
0: are some again some of my favorite Italian white wine.
1: Also, I don't know. Maybe this is like a a, a good time for Winston mm-hmm. a Winston Tangent. A Winston Tangent. Um,
0: we need to have a like a little jingle <laughs> that we can play when we when get a Winston tangent
1: but i don't know the, the kind of what i like about a lot of white wines is that they're fairly simple uh-huh even the really great ones mm-hmm. like it's just it, whether it has effervescence or whatever mm-hmm. and so many of the great technologies in our time mm-hmm. like even the the algorithms like when you're designing them they're in- incredibly complex these algorithms that let people do stuff but like their execution is pretty simple you know a short sword is simple sure the phalanx is a fairly simple idea like you get a bunch of dudes you stick them together with a bunch of armor and shields and and sticks Mm -hmm. and just go like that way boys yeah and i think that you know simple can be really really good
0: totally and
1: i think in our society a lot of the time we we sort of we're we're brought up to value complexity mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. cause it's like okay well after school you gotta go to your chess lesson and then your Japanese lesson and oh, then geez. your glass blowing lesson oh, and then geez. your cooking and then all that oh, you know and it's like what if you just like did good at school and it's like well no you're never gonna yell that way blah, 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 blah. Right, it's like well right. what if you just went to a state school and like and did did fine at it you know like, yeah. like I don't know simple things I'm on a simple thing kick
0: simple things yeah Oh. yeah no what for what, I it's, l- I for what that. it's
1: worth i like that the white wine the spear the short sword yeah. these are things that conquer the world
0: yeah absolutely pretty
1: quickly and easily yeah
0: and while i'm arguing that italian white wine are more complex than people give them credit for i do think there's something to be said about the simplicity of a quaffable white wine yeah
1: i think you look both are to be appreciated but i think as sort of a global culture, we're being taught to devalue the simple in favor of the Byzantine. For sure. Like this ultra complex.
0: For sure. Whatever.
1: You know, like, you're not a, a better person because you operate a machine that mm. trades in derivatives. You know, it's like that's not, you're not, like, that's no. not better than being a vigneron that grows wine grapes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) And yeah, I mean, no, that's a nice... still dealing with
1: complex processes, but there's a different approach, one that is more simple, and one that is like, "Ah, ha ha!
0: Well, I think what what I'll relate it to is why I love Italian wine and Italian wine culture so much is that I think there's a quote somewhere that says, like, "For, for the French, wine is art. And for... The Italians' wine is life.
1: So that I think is I'm... a Winston quote. I've oh. told you that several times, and I specifically oh. meant it about French food versus Italian oh. food. Oh, oh yes, that's right. In terms of artifice right. versus right. nature. That's right. But uh, yes, you could apply it to wine as well.
0: No, and, and it's very true. What a true. wise man that person <laughs> What a wise was. man. I don't think you were the first person to I say that. I may not that.
1: have been the first but. person to have that insight, <laughs> but the reason that's in your head well, is because I put it there. No, absolutely. You're, you right. Know, you're, you're totally come, right. You would have come, come, come there. I would have come there. I would have come there. But own, like but. I was saying that in college because <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm 20. I know things. Yeah. And that was like one of my pretentious. But, in my, but in my
0: experience, that's for the most part true. There's obviously exceptions. But in general, there's a little bit more. It, it, it for the Italians, wine is just life. If you if there's a meal without a glass of wine, it's not a meal. You know. Well, although I think and, in
1: fairness that can be said of the French too. I think there's just a different yes, approach but I think there's a different approach to, to arriving it. at the product. Yeah, there uh, is an emphasis on artifice that I think I don't I don't know how it got into French cuisine, but like that sort of Lyonnais school of Michelin star, like the amazing, you know, like descended from the original master, who was a woman, by the way, um, in the 17th or 18th century, 19th century, sorry. Cool. Um, And then like, that's how French wine culture seems to be. And it's about appreciating all the complex notes and everything, whereas like, or you could just have a glass of wine. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think that I I do think it's a it's a generalization, but it, it is a gen it's a difference in approach and it's in a difference in attitude that is noticeable. I think if you go to either France or Italy, you will notice the difference in the culture. Not to say that one is better than the other. Yeah. And French wine is amazing. And, and you
1: can get a great French wine for like three euros. Oh, yeah. Like oh,
0: yeah. You can totally so it's do a,
1: that. I mean, it's a whole different even frame of reference from yeah. what we deal with here. Yeah. But it, there's still comparisons to be drawn. Absolutely. I call it the Fraser Crane scale. <laughs> so on the one side of the scale, we have Marty Crane. Mm-hmm. He wants a beer. He's mm-hmm. fine. Just mm-hmm. simple. Just give me the things on the other side of the scale we have Niles crane. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is has, is all about affectation and artifice and everything. Yeah. Now we've got your Fraser crane. Where it's like sure. I like the finer things in life and I appreciate them and I can appreciate them but also like Sometimes you just want to, like, you know, because yeah, even, even Kelsey Grammer's an actor, is like, hey, sometimes.
0: That's that's true. That's true. Yeah. I do think that. He can
1: go to Cheers and have a beer.
0: That's true. That's right. And he right. can go
1: to Le Cigar Boulon.
0: <laughs> that's right. I do think that Fraser definitely leans more towards the Nile's end of the spectrum. Certainly but in he Fraser. Can. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I mean, yes. he, his whole thing is he struggles with pretension. And I'm not trying to say that either wine culture is pretentious. I'm just saying that.
0: Oh, it's incredibly pretentious. You, well, but, all
1: wine culture yeah, generally, yeah. <laughs> but like in terms of the appreciation style. Yeah. I think. Yeah, like. Yeah. You you sort of slide back and forth, and I know that's like a very masculine. Frame to put everything in Western frame to put everything in, but I I do think that a lot of people, especially in sort of the aficionado world, you know, move they vacillate in that spectrum. So yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: And it what's valued on one, you know, the ends of the spectrum kind of trade places from time to time. Sure. In terms of oh now we want simplicity now we want you know sure
0: absolutely. All right. I just wanna. I wanna blow through these last few ones that All I right, want to talk about. These last, uh, like, uh, you know, one thousand nine hundred and yeah. Th- th- so, <laughs> something okay. Great. So just do the no, next five hundred. No, yeah. And we'll yeah. Call it.
1: A- no, no. No. I, I just want to be just... included. You know.
0: No. Of of I'm helping. You're helping. No. This is great. <laughs> um, I'm helping. I'm helping. That's Kiki's catchphrase. In case you and guys didn't get from that. from The Simpsons. Yeah, but mostly Kiki. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. So okay. So the next. And last, big region. Oh, and I think we were talking about Campania, and I mentioned Falangino, but there's one other grape of note in Campania, which is called Fiano. Fianos, I've had a couple of them. I've had some that did absolutely nothing for me, and I had some that I thought were really great. So there you go, Fiano. Um, But the last and major region in Italy that I wanted to talk about for white wine is Sicily, of course. And for the most part in Sicily, you're not going to see 100% varietals. You're going to see blends, which is awesome. And I love that. And again, speaking of, you know, if you like like Burgundy, if you like white Chardonnay from Burgundy from France, you're going to love the wines of, uh, of Sicily because they have that richness to them, but super dry as well. Um, and the main grapes that you're going to see in Sicily are grapes called Grillo, Catarato, Caricante, and one called Insolia. And so uh, check 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 out the wines of Sicily. They're just ugh, some of the best wines coming out of Sicily right now.
1: One thing I, I do wonder about Sicily is like because uh, Sicily was a Norman kingdom for a long mm. time and a trade hub. So there was the kingdom of the two Sicilies, and before that it was just a Norman kingdom of Sicily. And Sicily was like, because in the middle of the Mediterranean, was um, super tolerant, like it had no particular affiliation with Rome didn't really care about that it was just like a bunch of like French knights who were like well we're in charge now yeah Uh, and um so I wonder
0: I like uh, how French knights talk like they're from Texas
1: (laughs) well Well. (laughs) uh, we don't come from France uh (laughs) sense checks out yeah so but it was just like Norman knights and at the same time that the conquest of um Britain was going on. It was like around mm. that same time, the Vikings just went everywhere and conquered everything. And so they, it was a really trade based and tolerant kingdom. Mm. And um, the Crusaders would, you know, sail from Messina, but also from through the Sicilies. And it was,
0: through the Sicilies? Uh, yeah,
1: because well, it eventually became called the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies oh. later. Um, I think shortly after the Napoleonic Wars. But um, it, there must have been a huge amount of intermingling of everything going uh-huh, on there. Uh-huh. Just like with Venice, just like with you know Cyprus or something sure, like that. Sure. Anywhere that's like a big trading hub on the yeah, Mediterranean yeah. has got to have like a huge mixture of oh my cultures. Gosh. So it's interesting to me that you say that they... If you like French grapes, look at Sicilian wines. I'm thinking there's probably a reason for that. Probably the French knights who <laughs> went there. You uh, know.
0: I don't know. I don't know if it, if that is the case or if it's just it just happens to be those a sort of sim- similarity because those are native. Grapes. Grapes to to Sicily.
1: Well, I mean, these um, are thousands of year old yeah, trade networks. Yeah, absolutely. But, so I imagine that it ebbs and flows. Well, yeah, and
0: but, it's possible that you know the French ch- shared their their winemaking techniques or vice versa. I don't even you know? think it's
1: necessarily and, like oh we teach the natives. It's more like well we want that shit, and so they would import it. No, you know? I
0: think I think it's sort of like you're saying an intermingling of cultures because yeah. there's different practices in different places of how how you make wine and how you. Ferment wine, grow grow the vines, et cetera, et cetera. Because
1: Syracuse was in Sicily, and that was a Greek colony going back to before the Punic Wars. Before yeah. the Carthaginian yeah. Wars, there was a huge Greek colony on Sicily yeah, called Syracuse, Syracuse.
0: I think there's actually more, in terms of wine culture, I think there's a closer relationship to Greece That than makes sense. to France. I mean, it makes a lot of sense.
1: At least, but, you know, for most of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, okay, so that's Sicily. Um, there's just a couple more grapes that I wanted to mention that are coming from just kind of randomly... Um, there's a grape called Malvasia, which is, is just sort of everywhere in Italy. And I don't think it's indigenous cause you'll see Malvasia elsewhere in the world as well. You see it in Spain, you see it around and it's a very aromatic grape. So it's very kind of perfumey and floral, but still really dry. And when it's made really well, it's really, really cool and fun. So Malvasia is cool. There's a grape called
1: Grechetto. Are these mainland grapes? Yeah, mostly. We're sort of back on the mainland now. Okay.
0: Yeah, cool. yeah, we're back on the mainland. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they grow Malvasia in Sicily as well and Sardinia as well. Mal- Malvasia is pretty commonly commonly grown. Okay, so Grechetto is another grape in a region called Umbria. I'm gonna talk about Umbria more when we do the part two of this uh, episode and talk about red wine because there's just some really really cool underrated red wine coming up. Umbria, which is very close to Tuscany. And last but not least, wanted to mention Orvieto. So we were talking about Rome. And uh, the only... It's
1: another familiar one to me. The
0: only wine region sort of around Rome is called Lazio. And Orvieto is a white grape grown in Lazio around Rome. So so whenever anybody... I mean, and Orvietos are not that common. They're not that commonly found. Like, they're they're never expensive when you find them or anything. It's not like they're, like novelties or anything but it's just it's just sort of hard to find them but whenever anybody asks for a wine from rome that's kind of the closest that you can get for like a roman wine Hmm. Um, at least at least that's imported that's exported to the united states okay so that is a whole bunch of italian white wine and we've been going. That's a lot of
1: information I had never heard before.
0: Yeah, well, that was the that was the idea. Yeah, is to is None to is share share some information, share some names, give you a little context for these wines that you might see in a wine store or on a wine list, and be like, I don't know what the fuck this is, and this is me giving my personal endorsement to them. I thought it would be fun to very quickly go down a list of famous Italian artists. Okay. And think about. Which one of these?
1: Michelangelo appears with orange wine, not because of the artist, but oh. because of the turtle.
0: Yeah, well, that was what I was thinking. <laughs> I think we obviously have to talk about the Ninja Turtles. So Michelangelo, that's right, orange wine. So so Michelangelo is obviously Rebola Gialla yeah. from Friuli.
1: And, like, people Got will it. say that he's not their favorite, but mm-hmm. he's most people's favorite. Yeah. People say Raphael is their favorite, Ugh. but they're lying. Is
0: Raphael the purple one?
1: Raphael's the red one. Donatello's oh, the purple Donatello's brainy the one. Donatello's the purple brainy one. Leonardo's okay. the leader. Raphael's okay. the sarcastic one. And Michelangelo's the goofy one.
0: Okay. So so we said Michelangelo is Gialla. Yes. So let's say Donatello, and we're just talking Ninja Turtles here. Yeah. Um, Donatello who is the purple one.
1: Yeah, who has the bow staff.
0: Oh, he's got the bow staff. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling for Donatello the turtle.
1: And he's the brainy one.
0: And he's the brainy one. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think Trebbiano is good for that. Yeah. I think Trebbiano is a pretty brainy gra- grape grape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. underrated. Also probably good for the uh, the artist
1: uh, Donatella.
0: I don't know. Sure, so right. then Raphael is the red one.
1: He's red, yeah. yeah. And he's all like, sarcastic and he's uh, the that's only right. one with an actual oh, New yeah. York accent. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so he thinks he's like a big deal. So... Um... So maybe like
1: maybe one of the Neapolitan grapes? Like Gina. Yeah, oh I can see that. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. What do you Eugene. think you're better than me? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah no,
1: I like <laughs> that. I like that. I'm gonna push you. Me yeah. and all my friends are gonna get together with a bunch of sticks. We're gonna push you. <laughs> push you and poke you with our sticks.
0: And okay so Conquered then, the world. Last but not least, Leonardo.
1: He's the leader. He's the leader. Also maybe the gayest.
0: Obviously. Which is
1: a positive, but Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, so I'm going to have to give him, let's see, what else did I, so we did, we did Rubola Gialla, Trebbiano, Falangina, and I think that, uh, actually Suave is a good one. Go. The back one to where drinking. we began. Yeah, back to where we began. Huh. Um, also I know I've said this before. I know I've told you this before many times and I've probably said it on the podcast, but I used to be very good friends with the daughter of... Uh, one of the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I got to... We
1: get it, you're super famous.
0: Well, I was for, like, one year, and then she decided she didn't like me. But, oh. but her dad did, and uh, he was so great. And for my birthday one year, he wanted to give me something, like, from his collection of weird, nerdy things. And apparently he asked uh, his daughter, he was like, do you think she'd like this, like, fake bazooka? Or this pen knife. And my friend was like, no, Dad, I don't want to give her those. And she got me like a Dunkin' Donuts gift certificate. And but she told me the story. I was like, I want a fake bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> from from Peter Laird. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyway. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, awesome. Uh so I think we covered those those Italian artists.
1: Italian artists.
0: Italian artists. Italian artists. Um I just wanted to go to maybe uh, some of my other faves, um, Caravaggio, probably Obviously. my favorite my favorite Italian painter, um, who in real life was like super aggressive and like got into fights all the time
1: and like killed people all the Which time. I love that they would just do shit like that. In <laughs> like Shakespeare too was supposed to get in bar fights all the yeah, time and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Or just like, so when I'm not painting, I'm kicking ass. yeah.
0: Um and, and I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna give Vermentino to Caravaggio. Vermentino is a badass grape. Um we at my old job we called Vermentino the ultimate chugging wine. So I just imagined Caravaggio, you know, just like chugging Vermentino and going out and like getting into a fight. Yeah.
1: And
0: then painting. I mean painting some nice something. boobies. He didn't do a ton of boobies. Oh, he's he did, not the booby guy? No, he's because then we're entering into like the Baroque era. Oh. And so it was less boobies and more like. Didn't he do darkness. Aphrodite though? No, that's, um, I think you're thinking of oh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, Botticelli.
1: Oh, yep. You were thinking of the and Birth he's of romantic Venus. romantic era. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, renaissance yeah, me, yeah. everyone. I'm sorry. I'm a Philistine. It's
0: okay. It's okay. But let, hey, let's talk about Botticelli. So, Botticelli, Birth of Venus. Um, very pretty, very. That's the famous one where she's like standing in the sh- seashell. Yeah, and... and
1: her hair is covering her boobs. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And for her, for her, let's give her Arnace. Very nice arnace because it's very feminine. It's very like smooth and curvy yeah. wine. So that's good for Botticelli. Last but not least, let's talk about our personal favorite. Artemisia Gentileschi. Gentileschi. What's up? Um, Wait, she but can we pair Dante but, uh, to... Oh, yeah. We've sure. got to have one oh, yeah, in there. For sure. Um, actually, well, yes. I, this is not going to be the last of our Italian oh, sure, sure, artist sure, okay. episodes. You have it planned.
1: Stay tuned. But Stay
0: tuned. But, st- stay tuned. but uh, let's do Artemisia first. Yeah, do and Artemisia. And I have a quick quick. Quick sidebar about Dante, but okay, all right, um, all right. but so let's see Artemisia of the ones that I've talked about.
1: She's a little more like fuerte.
0: Yeah, she could be like Gabi. I think okay, she's Gabi to Gabi Gabi. to Gabi. Gabi to Gabi. You know, she likes her Gabi because uh, it's got it's got a little strength to it. And you know, we'll we'll do this again with the red grapes because some of these I'm like, oh man, I gotta give them a red grape, but um, but I'm not going to. I think is also a good one for Artemisia, but... Ooh, no, Friolano, man.
1: Oh, I don't know let's why I didn't give, think of it. Let's
0: give her Friolano. Oh, I fucking love Friolano. It's so bro. good. Bro. I just became a <coughs> douchey bro <laughs> just thinking about it.
1: It's okay. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to get you a beanie and a puka shell necklace. No!
0: <laughs> okay, we're Okay, this is going to be another sidebar, but I recently just binged... All of Veronica Mars. Winston watched, like, the first season. I sort of made him watch the second season. But, like, I watched it, like, really fast. I go to bed at 9 and I like uh, to play video (laughs) games. And I was like, I can't stop watching this. So uh, uh, the character of Logan, whom I love dearly, becomes nine thousand times more attractive in the movie in and the fourth season. Fourth season once he takes off that stupid necklace.
1: Well and the frosted tips go away. Yeah, the too, frosted tips they? go away. It
0: was did you know, it was early early two thousands. Right. It was all right. There it's may time. or may not was... be a
1: picture of me with frosted tips it's, that nobody should ever see. It's
0: of its time. It's a pretty <laughs> great picture. And we actually we all have arguments about who who made the frosted tips happen. But anyway.
1: We'll never know. We'll
0: never know. Okay, but then Dante... uh, Well, there's a winery in Tuscany called Frescobaldi that claims that when Dante was exiled from Rome, I believe? No,
1: from Florence. Dante lived in Florence because he... or, Or maybe it was... I mean, no,
0: you're probably he's right. correct. You're pro- it's, a, no, you're it's either Florence right. or
1: Milan, but it, it basically, in it was like the 14th century, 13th, mm-hmm. uh, 14th century, and he was like a big partisan there mm-hmm. for I think a group called the White Hat faction yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, he definitely then, was exiled, and people didn't yeah, like him. But. Right, but he was, and I think it was before uh, Machiavelli was. Exiled. Ooh, we also but gotta
0: pair something with Machiavelli. Sim-
1: similar things because it was the Medici's and their court that had so much money yeah. that they could support like Dante's poetry yeah. and the Duomo mm-hmm. and all that, and Michelangelo and Leonardo. Like they were paying for all of that while bankrolling most of Europe and sure. you know, making popes and doing things Medici's like to do. Uh. Um, damn so I th- I think he was in Florence.
0: Okay, that 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 is entirely possible. There is this winery in Tuscany, so maybe not in Florence proper, but in Tuscany called Frescobaldi, and it's one of the older houses. And they claim that when Dante was exiled, he came and stayed at this winery hmm. for a while. And uh, and so since that's in Tuscany, I think. I mean, if we're going to pair a white grape, it's got to be Vernaccia, because Vernaccia is the uh, quintessential white grape of Tuscany. Vernaccia di San Gimignano. Hmm. There we go. And last but not least with Machiavelli, who wrote The Prince, mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, wonderful...
1: Classic of sociopaths. Yeah, everywhere. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I talked a lot about Machiavelli in my, uh, in my uh, thesis, because I wrote all about villains. Uh, Machiavelli has got to be... Pinot Grigio.
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> Simple, effective, <laughs> merciless.
0: Merciless. <laughs> very popular some in some yeah. places and well, very persuasive. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I was listening to a thing about uh, the Revolutions podcast, which you should all check out, Mike Duncan. He's yeah, one of the OG podcasters. Yeah, yeah. But um, in this most recent one, he was talking about like Russian revolutionaries and this one particular one where he was saying, like, yeah, he wrote this treatise. He himself was like, an infamous, like pathological liar, oh, and yeah. all this stuff—crazy person. But um, this treatise he wrote about, like what the revolutionary is, is very influential. And part of it is because it's very maximalist, and it's also yeah. very like it's not about immorality; it's about amorality.
0: Yes, Like yes.
1: truth doesn't matter, friendship doesn't matter. The revolution is the only thing that matters. And you can see how that appeals to like lost people, and but like. Yeah, and you it's see also that, that cultish ego stripping torture shit that like it is,
0: and and but I mean we see that in in a lot of I mean haven't seen it yet, but but like we see that in a lot of uh, modern villains and like comic book villains, right. but you see that like that's the Joker, right? And, yeah, uh, I'm
1: smarter than you, therefore, yeah. Yeah. I'm better.
0: Yeah, and so so the Joker is very much like yeah. the modern Machiavelli,
1: yeah. and, which again is capitalism, and yes. I don't like it. And yes. we should think of a better thing. I'm not saying go back to a worser thing. I'm saying let's...
0: Think of a better thing. Let's get
1: together and be like, hey, isn't it better when everybody like is pretty good at something helpful rather than being really good at stealing money from a lot of people? Yeah. Anyway.
0: Hey, isn't that the dream?
1: <laughs> anyway. Well, on that oh, note... Oh, this is actually appropriate now. It was. I okay, was going to let it okay, slide, but okay. now that we've gotten into this politics stuff...
0: Oh, man. Um, how did we get here,
1: Winston? I did it. <laughs> I, I, so the term Pyrrhic victory uh-huh. is...
0: P-Y-R-R-H-I-C. Yep. Pyrrhic. Uh,
1: Pyrrhic victory. It means like a victory that's not worth it because it costs you so much to win mm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you you lost what you were fighting for to begin with, basically, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. exhausted your ability to fight in the future. That is named after Pyrrhus, the king of Syracuse, who was before the Punic Wars, before the Carthaginian Wars between Rome and Carthage, he was the main, like, anti-hero for Rome. He was, like, the hmm. one person that could tangle with them and beat them huh. because he was so good at using Greek phalanx strategy. Yeah. But... He was good at he was good at winning the battle, but he had no ultimate like strategic benefit because it cost him so much to beat these Roman legions and it's it's almost sort of like, Oh yeah, like I beat Rome and it's like, Yeah, great, you beat Rome. Rome yeah. can raise fifty more thousand guys. You can't sure, do it. Sure. so that's what a Pyrrhic victory is huh. and capitalism. There anyway. you
0: go. <laughs> and on that note,
1: Buy some wine with your capitalism money.
0: <laughs> Buy some wine with your capitalism money. Until we all reach the point where wine is just, you know... Life. Life. Wine is life. Wine is truth. Vermentino. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Scherzarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast@gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Check out our new merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.